0: This
1: week on The Clappers, The Boys, Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and a whole raft of other Charles Manson-related projects,
0: and Somewhere Nice to Have a Drink, the Hasbridge Line,
1: because who doesn't need one of those?
0: Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. Very exciting to be here today. Uh, Who knows when we'll come again, but we're here today and it's wonderfully exciting. But before we get on to what we're about to get on to, I've got to ask you this. You are uh, the driver of an automatic vehicle. I am, yes. Do you remember being very small, like a very young boy, when automatic vehicles were were not as common as Mm. they are now? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when garage doors... Universally had to be opened by hand. Yes. Do you remember given being told anything by your dad or any advice about automatic cars and garage doors? Automatic and, cars.
1: Yes. Automatic cars. No. None well, there at was
0: all. there was uh, a space. Shall we say? Oh, 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 just yes. I'll just
1: explain that we had a garage. Yes. The car never went in it. Ah, okay, right. my, okay. My father basically used it. He was a carpenter. Okay. He used oh, it as a workspace. Okay. Right. So Christ It was full of it's full of lots of really exciting stuff, yeah. but no cars. Christ was a carpenter, so there's no shame in that. Indeed. I think we even had a manger down there. So,
0: the automatic car was not as, as ubiquitous as it is now. In fact, probably 99% of vehicles on the road are automatic cars. Mm-hmm. At the time, when I was a small boy and... Three and on you, the tree,
1: four on the floor. Yes. We'll return to that, okay.
0: There were a spate of incidents... Not unlike backyard pool drownings, yeah. where children yeah. were being run over by their parents' cars, who had put them in park right. and gone to open the garage door, yeah. and the car had jumped out of park and run over either parent or Jesus. child or both. It was really, really it came to, uh, and I can remember my dad saying to me, "Never leave the car engine running." When it's an automatic, right? And I thought that was good advice. And I've never driven an automatic. I mean, I've driven one by accident, but I've never purposely driven one. I've always had manual cars because I'm a motorist. I'm not quite sure how you drive a car by accident, but okay. (laughs) Say you turn up to drive a car in an accident. Say you turn up to hire a car, and there's no manual cars because they're really okay. I'm with you. All right. Uh, my, my feeling is still one of trepidation when I <laughs> walk down a street and see people leaping from their cars right. with the engines on, right. with the car in park, and casually stand in front of the vehicle kissing their child goodbye as they toddle off to the primary well, school. Well, it could be goodbye, couldn't it? It could. And, and I,
1: I, I have never heard about this. Okay, so
0: so I'm asking you, as a driver of an yeah. automatic vehicle, yeah. have you made it a practice to just put the car in a park, leave the engine running, get out and in- <laughs> walk around the <laughs> vehicle... Hugging I don't children, know what that word was. polishing the dome. No, no. So no. you're you're a motorist who turns off the engine when he stops and wants to get out of the car.
1: I think pretty much without fail. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe yeah. once in a blue moon. It might be because I might put yeah. it in reverse. <laughs> no. Oh, and the oh, other I, thing was, kids know.
0: would knock the stick because people had this idea that park is park yeah. and not put on the handbrake. Right. So I'm, I'm gesturing with yeah. my yeah. left yeah. hand here. And so they would have it in park and kids in the back seat, no seat belts as per the order yeah. of, of the 70s, yeah. and they jump forward to get some lollies or change the station, yeah. whack it into drive. Yeah. It well, at out. least that was what they told their defence lawyer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yes. So, so I'm, I, I find myself uh, the unwilling leader of a campaign. To, to change some of the laws, because we do need more laws, uh, to make it illegal for people to leave their car running you and know, get I, out. I have mates
1: who complain about how Australia is a nanny state. You're the only one I know of who complains that it's not enough of a nanny state. I think more,
0: more a, a, not nanny, but perhaps a regal, benevolent overlord state is. Auntie is, Primrose is. An Auntie uh, Primrose
1: state. Uh,
0: no, a regal, benevolent overlord. <laughs> Making sure that people who who are too stupid for their own good, it's a wonder that we have the population we do. Like, we should be the capital of Darwin Awards. Yes. Right. And so I'm glad to hear that you've never done this.
1: Right. However, hmm. right, to return to a question you asked on the yes. last last edition of The Clippers. Yes, let's... Uh, which was to do with walnuts. something. Which I well, yes, walnuts was the answer. Yes. The question, was, <laughs> the question well, was, what is the question when walnuts <laughs> is the answer? Well, the question was something to do with. Is there something that I should be able to do that I'm embarrassed that I can't do? Right? Well, not very well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going. I'm going to put. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to confess to. Oh, this is not an, an habitual thing. Okay, this was a one-off thing. Ah. Except that it was a very long-running one-off thing. Mm. So in my early twenties, I had a I had a car. So backstory here. Yes. It was a poor student mm. in Brisbane. Uh my father had a had a mate who was a mechanic. The right. carpenter was friends with the mechanic. Indeed, indeed. Jesus needed a charity. What's well, good
0: everybody knows their place <laughs> in the lower classes isn't it? The tradesman <laughs> class. They all socialized so, together. So
1: my the first three cars I owned mm. came via this ah. mechanic. Or well, at least I think it was three. Certainly two mm. of the three came yeah. via this mechanic, Sid. Sid. Let's call him Sid. Okay. okay. Given <laughs> that his name was Sid. Sid Home um, And uh and One of them was a beautiful car, Mm. a Ford Cortina, a Mark Mm -hmm. One Cortina, Mm -hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous car. Yeah, Um, and uh, it, I, uh, in the handover, Mm. I have a recollection of being told it was a three on the tree, right? It was a column shift, right? Mm -hmm. It was common for a column shift to be three, three on the tree, uh, and on the floor, though more commonly four on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now. I don't think there was anything that stipulated that if it was a column shift, it had to be three gears or if it was a floor shift, it had to be four. However, I had in my mind for the the bulk of the time I owned this car that it was a three on the tree. And I was, I'd been with some mates down to the Gold we'd driven to the Gold Coast to see, I think to see The Cure, I think it huh. was, at the, uh, at the playroom and this was about 1984 mm. or 85 or something like that. So driving home, somebody in the back seat said, why don't you put it in fourth gear? And I said, it doesn't have fourth gear, it's three on the tree. And he said, I think you'll find it's got four. And I said, come on, man, I've been driving this car for 12 months. <laughs> uh, and he said... I used to have one. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? I'll give it a go. Give but it if, a go. But if I end happens. up putting it in reverse and the engine blows up, you're paying the repair mm, bill. Mm, mm. So with great trepidation, clunk, mm-hmm. and off we went. Great. At 45 <laughs> miles per hour. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Possibly even forty-eight. So uh, it Was I have never been so humiliated. Did they not have the little numbers no, no, in the no, window? There's a window nothing above nothing, the steering column. No, 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 Of course not. No, no. No. that's but fortunately for you. We live in different times mm, where mm. your your gear is well and truly indeed, indeed. But that was oh, I'd have to say, you know, there's something about which I mm. am still to this day mm. greatly embarrassed, Andrew. You happy now? <laughs>
0: Ecstatic! Can't wait for next week's one. Can't wait.
1: You may be aware of a little film that's come out called Once Upon a Time... Dot, 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 in Hollywood. Yep. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about Quentin Tarantino? But as, a, as, a as, a as a filmmaker? As a filmmaker,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh... I'd like to do this really quickly. Go on. Okay. Race through it. I find that his paucity of original ideas is not m- made up by the excitement and the flash and dash of his films. Right. I think they're cheap and nasty as a rule. Ooh. Uh, I liked Reservoir Dogs. I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen a lot of Hong Kong cinema in 1993. Mm. So I liked Reservoir Dogs. Mm. But in the end, um, most of his films are a snappy pastiche and uh, uh, appeal to um, something else, like to uh, schlock and horror and gross-out films, and and
1: I wouldn't have said gross-out,
0: but m- yeah, m- maybe I'm using the wrong term. But those kind of um, uh, C-grade, not even Roger Corman quality films, exploitation cinema, yeah, generically. yeah they, they they don't they don't excite. Or interest me you know, he, he, He's able to get a, a lot of great actors To do I presume Really good work for him But he, I remember when Pulp Fiction came out You know That film I was just walking past The Carlton Courthouse Cinema There's was a guy at the front And just ran into him And he's an actor uh, And And he was standing there regaling the people as they came out of the cinema having just seen pulp fiction telling them that they deserved better and what were they doing <laughs> and people please what are you why are you going and seeing this surely you have something it's a beautiful night you you deserve better than this nonsense was that a
1: performance from this actor no, 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 was he, he was he
0: it was playing complete, andrew young it was complete for no it was completely off the cuff and it was the first time i realized that that you know you you you, you, your time might be worth more than the value of that film and that what you've paid for. That you do, des- you actually do deserve something when you go and see a film. You deserve to not have your time waste. You deserve to not be treated like a cretin. You deserve not to be perhaps overly manipulated. I kind of liked his point of view, and it it gave me, an, I just thought, yeah, it's pretty interesting because I didn't mind
1: Pulp Fiction at all. Right? Yeah I, yeah, I think that's a fairly harsh assessment of Pulp Fiction. I think it's, I think it's for that assessment that you've offered of, mm. of Quentin Tarantino generally, mm. is pretty harsh, I've got to say. I think there's a lot of pleasure to be derived from his films. Harsh. They are. They are, undoubtedly. Was it, was it, think that was harsh? I was oh. really soft-peddling. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> say what you really think. Um, harsh. I think there's a lot of pleasure Poor to be Quinson. derived from his films. He's they are They are indebted. No question they're indebted mm. to, to a lot of other cinema mm. and a lot of other filmmakers and tropes mm. and genres and all, all of that. Yes, you can say that about it. Um, but there's, I think, he he gets at times great performances. He has some great some great dialogue. Mm. He's also very indulgent with his dialogue. Mm. He allow, I mean, you know the yeah. the um the Royale scene from Pulp Fiction. You know, it's kind of like it's utterly banal yeah. in, in some ways. Yeah. It's one of the most quotable bits of yeah. Pulp Fiction, but it also it amounts to nothing. Most you know? of the quotes it's from kind his of fatic films. Communication.
0: Are not not great writing. Not 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 the cut. are only they're only quotable or the lines are remembered because people are constantly saying them Mm. because i don't know why people think these films are so cool it's like it's like shorthand for them maybe it's it's like a nice assembly a collage of things that they don't understand that they've never taken the time to go and look for themselves and he's presented it to them in a nice american package
1: so fair to say yeah
0: you're not all that excited about once upon a time dot Uh, dot dot, in hollywood i'm especially not excited about something which appears appears because yeah I've I've s- seen the very long trailer it appears to glamorize and revel and glory in something that was like a lot of aspects of, of Hollywood horrible nasty cruel and and just not 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 something to be be um, putting up on the screen in a way that glorifies it. So when you say
1: mm. nasty, cruel, et cetera... I'm talking
0: about the Manson
1: yeah, murders and okay. Sharon well, Tate and... I don't want to say too much about yeah. it in terms of plot or anything mm-hmm, like that because mm-hmm. um, there's, you know, it, it's necessarily... Uh, I don't want to reveal where it goes. Okay, right? yeah. But the, certainly the, the Manson family looms over yeah. it. Uh, the Sharon, Sharon Tate is a character in this and a significant character... Played by Mar- Margot Robbie, although as a significant character, she really exists mostly as kind of fetish object. I'd have to say, yeah, well, uh, that's you, you know, it was, there was that sort of um, that little explosion at when the film screened at Cannes, and there was a press conference, and a female journalist asked, "Why have you got Margot Robbie in this film, and she has so little to say?" Mm. And he just said, "I completely disagree with that." Yeah. He just shut it down. Wouldn't of go there.
0: He's and it's, like his president. He's so thin-skinned.
1: You can't even ask a vaguely, yeah. you know. Pointed question Without well, him getting upset At the time At the time I, I saw that And went well, That was a bit cranky Wasn't it And uh, and then I saw I've, You know I saw the film And I went That was a really relevant question It was a really pertinent question Because basically Margot Robbie In this film Margot Robbie's a very smart Very talented um, Performer and producer And somebody who's got a lot to offer I think And she basically um, is in this film as somebody who looks great in a white mini skirt with knee, knee high white boots. You know, that's, were that's really that's really her function in this film. Is did to, you see the other great. one? The, not the other one. Did you see the film The
0: Hateful Eight? Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, there were criticisms of is it Bridget Fonda? Uh, yeah, yeah, of her role and the way that as the only female character in in a film dominated by violent men, the way that her character existed and was treated, and mm. um, that I feel were
1: not dissimilar to mm. these criticisms. Um. See, having seen that. That said, there's a lot of fun in this film. Right? Sure. Some, the, the central performances by Brad Pitt and, and Leo DiCaprio are great. Right? Of course they are. And their, their relationship is great. They have you know really interesting stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, is it like an autofocus style relationship? Uh I haven't seen autofocus. Oh, okay. No. You should. Yes, I know I should. One well, day. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who am
0: I telling the film? Critic to what he should see. You well, see I'll, what you're say, like. I'll see sometime. We'll, I'll see like.
1: one day. So no rush. So Leo plays. They're this, both dead. So Leo plays this uh, actor at the tail end of his career mm-hmm. potentially. So he, he he was in movies. He did he did some uh, you know some movies, including a movie that looks surprisingly like Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. where he plays this American soldier who busts in on a on a Nazi meeting and sets fire to them all with a flamethrower while wearing an eye patch. And you kind of go, is he pastiching his own pastiche? You know, it's kind of you know, it's really quite uh, very meta that moment um, and, and and Brad Pitt plays his uh, stunt double so uh, and, and Leo's current character is really he's now he had a he went from movies to a Western TV series and now he's doing guest parts in mm-hmm. TV series so his trajectory is not looking all that great love American style <laughs> and his and uh, he's called Rick Dalton and his and uh, Brad Pitt's uh Body, uh, you know stunt double, is also similarly kind of like reduced uh, circumstances in a way. He's gone from ha- being very in demand stunt performer and still very capable, uh, as is demonstrated in this one sort of set piece where he has a face off with with um, Bruce Lee. And I got to say that is that is one of the f- one of the scenes in the film. Well, it's kind of funny. It's also really grating, and it's kind of. Yeah, I wouldn't even say latent, but almost blatant racism. It's Mm. sort of all about putting the the uppity uppity Chinaman in his place, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And it's really it's quite it's quite nasty in some ways. Mm. Um, But he he sort of can't really get much work other than as as uh, Cliff's uh, Rick's um, sort of go to man. His his handyman. He's sort of driving around, buddy, and drinking, buddy. Because there's this story about him having killed his wife, right? And so people don't want to hire oh, okay. him. So, right, right. So okay. he's sort of bit persona non grata, but vaguely tolerated, you know. And mm-hmm. so th- th- there's these two who are basically seem to be at the tail end of their career. They're living next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. She's at the sort of like the moment where her career is about to take off, mm-hmm. um, so long as the Manson family don't come along and, you know, do what they do. And, and then there's this wonderful scene with this young child actor who – it, I mean, the timing doesn't make sense, but I kind of read her as being this sort of Jodie Foster type. She's like eight years old, incredibly erudite, studious in the extreme. She's st- like boning up on how to act, how to perform, and and she's in she's in a scene with with um, Rick on on a on a western, a TV western, at, at, at the, and. She sort of coaches him and talks him through it. And they have this debate about various acting styles and so on. And he's reading this sort of dime store, you know, Western novel. And he's telling the story about how it's about a uh, a gunslinger whose days are past and blah, blah, blah. And as he's telling the story, you kind of go, you realise. And then eventually he realises that it's actually, it's his story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, there's lots of great little moments in it. Yeah. It's just a little bit off. I think. What's the point of the film? Is the it's point uh, of the film to? Oh, exploit? there's no, there's no real point. No, no, point. but, but think, no why, why was
0: this film made? Well, if this film made, if this film made was to make a kind of buddy pick or an anti-buddy pick, then it doesn't need the Manson murders. I think the film, so, so the so film makes, no, no,
1: the film makes sense um, in the context of Tarantino's other other work, right? And I, I don't want to say any more about mm-hmm. it because, mm-hmm. okay, um, yeah, I you don't want to give it, anything away. No, and I think yeah. that it's sort of. It sort of it fits there, right? There's a logic to it. It also makes sense in terms of a reflection on the kind of transitional moment in Hollywood that gave rise to the end of the sort of studio system, the rise of the sort of auteur uh, director in in Hollywood, the likes of Coppola and Scorsese and and you know Casavitis and and Bogdanovich and so on, who are basically the forebears of Tarantino. Yet here's Tarantino, sort of. Um, I guess, nostalgically, you know, eulogising the moment at which, the moment just before those those players came through. Mm-hmm. It's the very, very tail end of Hollywood's sort of studio system and, and that kind of machine. And it's sort of like it's a cusp moment. And I guess it's like, it's sort of a, a contemplation of of the cuspiness of that moment in August well part of it is i think 6 months earlier sort of uh, what is it February or March yeah. uh, which is where we actually see Charles Manson for the only time mm-hmm. Charles Manson is played here by Damon Harriman and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. come back to that in a minute he, he, it was much hyped that that Damon Harriman is in this film playing Manson because he's also in Netflix the Netflix series Mindhunter playing Uh, Charles Manson Mm -hmm. very very different roles very very different performances he's in Once Upon a Time for about 12 seconds Mm -hmm. so it's like it is the most fleeting performance yet the presence of Manson and the family looms over everything Mm -hmm. because if you know anything about the Manson murders of course Manson didn't commit any of them he was present perhaps for some of them but he was not uh, he did not wield a weapon at any point um. so quite quite fascinating so the problems of the film are not about it tapping into—I don't think anyway—they're not about tapping into the 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 the, um, the murders. Uh, it's more about the kind of the length of some of the scenes. They really, really, really drag on. Uh, there's a kind of indulgence about it all. There's a kind of, I think, a sort of an incipient misogyny to it that I, I really found quite troubling. And, mm-hmm. and the violence in it. Um, there's one particular scene that, to me just felt like this expression of male rage. And mm-hmm. it went from like a moment where you go, okay, that's that's like necessary to a moment where it just became, n- that's not necessary, that's, that's indulging something that's really quite troubling. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think, um, you know, that's like Quentin, you know, doing it to Uma Thurman by proxy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just like, it just felt really horrible. And mm-hmm. I had trouble with that. I really did have trouble with it. But what I found... Very. What I find interesting at this moment in time, here we are, fifty years after the Manson murders. There are three projects out there right now. As I say, there's this one. There's uh, there's the Mindhunter episode uh, on Netflix, mm. season two of that show, um, mm. and uh, Damon Harriman plays him again in that and then there's a there's a film by mary harron who made american psycho and i shot andy warhol mm-hmm. uh called charlie says which is also about the manson family and the murders but it really focuses on the women yeah um and it tells the story through their experience and why they were so enthralled to, It tries to explain why they yeah. were so enthralled to him is it a documentary no 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 no, no, no. no so they don't no. interview the matt women smith in matt smith who plays yeah. uh you know Prince Philip in, in The Crown and Doctor mm-hmm. Who um, uh, plays plays Charles Manson. He's, like, completely wrong in some respects because yeah. Matt Smith, I think, is very tall. He is. Charles Manson was, like, five foot three or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, you know, the magic of cinema. I do know the magic of cinema. Alan Ladd. Alan Ladd? Alan Ladd. How tall was Alan
0: Ladd? He was a very, very small fella. Right, right. And apparently when he didn't have short female co-stars like June Allison and they would scale all the furniture down in the house so that it would look... You know, proportionate, they'd have him on boxes. Right. So that he would be the same height. Daryl Summers style. Right. Well, Tom, he, Tom Cruise he is had famous big shoes. wearing risers in yeah, his yeah, shoes, has, yeah, shoes. Yeah, Daryl Summers had big shoes when he would be interviewing. Not uncommon. Tall, not, no, 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 not uncommon. As they not. always say about well.
1: actors, smaller than he looks on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I But have Matt to Smith, Matt Smith in this case, is yeah. taller than Now he <laughs> looks on screen. I
0: have to say, though. Um, that I guess that the, um, Roman Polanski will be next, 1978, his um, escape from the United States mm. and statutory rape. Um, that will be the next project for Quentin Tarantino, I imagine. Um, Do you? Yeah, after this, for sure. Why? Well, because it's the same kind of um, odious... Um, but that's
1: there's no linearity, there's no linearity in these films. Oh, I mean, there's, okay, no, there's no, 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 no reason why he would go there next, and I don't think he would go there next.
0: Okay, but I did want, and what I did actually want to say was that he's just being a troublemaker. Yeah, what yeah, thought so? Whenever he pops up talking about other filmmakers and other films, yeah. he's really interesting. He's right. l- like a savant in his childlike enthusiasm for everything that he's, he's still ever the video seen store buff, in his know? life. He's yeah. still the guy that when you go into the video yeah. store, yeah. follows you around pulling things from the shelf and mm. pressing them into your into your breast and giving you chapter and verse about every single thing that has anything to do with that film and how it's connected with seven yeah. more that you have to take out. And so that part of him, I don't find at all... Um, hard to take or hard to, I, I've actually at times found it interesting hearing him I was watching a film and for some reason it would break what was I watching um, and and it would not the owl and the pussycat Goldie Horn is in it Walter is in it Cactus Flower Right. and halfway through the film stops and he starts talking about it really? somebody <laughs> it was really weird it was like what's up Tiger Lily if you've seen yeah. that film um, but it was it's quite interesting you know um, and if if he just somehow if he didn't make any films, and just talked about them, that would be great. If he, if he took all the films that he ever made and they ceased to exist, but he still had some kind of platform where idea. people were
1: interested in, I've got an in idea. Why don't we go and make his tenth film and he can host this show? The one about Roman Polanski. <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah. we'll go make the. Yeah, Leo, the Leo can be yeah, Roman ta- and this is can his be ninth. Jack Nicholson this is his and. <laughs> Nominally, this is his ninth feature film. Yeah, right? and he said he's going to re- like make one more and then quit the game. Oh, right? God, how many people go uh, around yeah, saying this? Were you? I bet, I bet you Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> is going to star in it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's actually directed way more than nine. I mean, it, you Has know, he's he, well, he, you know, the ones that he's had like a, a bit of, you know, like from Dust to Door. Yeah, I was going to say the Rodriguez, Rodriguez and, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you know. The, He's made, well, Yeah. Intent. Anyway, whatever. We'll see. Anyway, That's we'll we'll, we'll edit this whole thing down just to the no, little, we won't. little no. interesting bits. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Quentin Tarantino has made a new film. That's it. Boop. There you go. <laughs> Line. Cut. You embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people.
0: <laughs> all right. What's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. And it has been. Uh,
1: here I am, flat on my ass. And who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh.
0: <laughs> There's a, a superhero TV series that is not quite a superhero TV series. It's called The Boys. And Where is it? It's on... Prime.
1: Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all I can
0: can think of when I see that logo. I mean there's only one thing to think of. And I don't know if anybody like was really thinking clearly that day when they chose that particular representation of what you call an arrow. What do you call it? Well, it has many names. Um, I won't use any of the words right now. But okay What's it's so sheepish it's a it's set in the u.s set approximately now and there are these superheroes that actually exist and they work for a corporation that manages all their merchandising all their films all their uh, promotional activities but they are still superheroes but I suppose if, it, if there is any twist about this at all is that they're all almost to a man, because there are two women in there, um, psychopaths with nothing but contempt for the human race. And while on the outside, they're smiling and signing autographs and cheering, they're nasty, nasty individuals. One of them in particular, who is called Homelander, who was in the Captain America style costume, can't even believe uh, that these humans can even manage themselves he has such contempt for them it's it's quite enjoyable actually right. how much he can you can identify <laughs> yeah he can't even barely stand to look at them and so the the other side of that is that he has no interest or respect for their lives except as far as it helps the corporation for him to go out and save somebody or, or perform some great deed and their deeds are all really public um uh, there's a a, a young a female superhero who, who joins their ranks under the impression that they're out to solve crimes and to, you know, to fight the good fight and to, to deliver us from evil, which is not the case at all, um, and gets very concerned and, and, and disturbed by the whole corporate machine that she becomes part of. So on the other side, there's a man named Butcher who hates superheroes. And he enlists, uh, uh, gets together a crack team, so to speak, enlists a young man who suffers a terrible tragedy at the hands of one of these supers, the man called the A-Train, who happens to be a black character who is the fastest man on earth. And the corporation tries to get him to sign a waiver and give him a check for 50 grand, which he doesn't want to accept. And this alleged CIA man, Butcher, comes in and recruits him to his team to bring down the soups, as they call them. Mm. And it's a lot like The Watchmen, where you... Have you read or, or seen the film The Watchmen? It's about a lot of flawed individuals who are not superheroes at all, but just people in costumes who were used during the Second World War for morale. But some of them, some of them developed powers. Some of them uh, just wore clothes, and, and it's about a lot of very flawed, unhappy individuals. This is these people are superheroes and see them as being better. Well, they are. You know, they can be invisible and they can fly. They can do all the superhero things, but they're narcissistic psychopaths. There's a great scene where Homelander, the like I said, the mm. captain, the man who can fly and shoot things out of his eyes and destroy everything, um, is standing there gazing longingly at his own portrait in the hallway of the big complex um, skyscraper where they all have to live, you know, as all superheroes do. They all live in the same complex. Oh, they don't all. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking.
1: Superman but and Batman, yeah. I don't think, Fortress could of be Solitude, very the good Batcave. flatmates.
0: No, no, no. Oh, no, they all have their own floor, I get, no. I feel. that's like they're not in bunks no. or anything. But he's standing there looking quite... Deliriously Happy with himself Looking at his portrait Till you realise That he's looking With his extra vision Through the portrait At his boss Who was a Woman in her Middle to senior years uh, Who has just given birth To a child Pumping milk From her breasts (laughs) And he's just watching her and getting off on it. And she's looking up at the screen of the surveillance camera, at him, looking at her, <laughs> getting off on it. And they have a very Oedipal... Is that the word I'm thinking of? I think it is. A very Oedipal relationship that is a delight throughout the show. Right. There's lots of nudism. <coughs> there is one superhero who is who is invisible. He's called... not uh, Not the... Not the the translucent, luminescence, (laughs) translucent something. He can make himself invisible, but only while he's nude. So he's always um, appearing in the shared uh, facilities in the nude in front of the women um, who, of course, present it. There's a lot of um, sexual uh, predators in this film. Almost all the male characters do horrible and predatory things to the female superheroes and it is practically one of the one of the first scenes between two superheroes it involves one superhero coercing another one into a sex act that she does not want to perform and it ends with her washing her mouth out in the scene and the older female superhero called Queen Maeve looking down on her with I'm not sure if it's pity or a kind of get used to it, this is life type of expression. And so the relationships between the female and male characters are fraught and bizarre. The small cadre manage to kidnap a superhero but realise that they can't they can't kill him because he's impervious to um, any danger. And the, and the solution that, that one of them comes up with on how to actually kill him is really humorous in a way. It's very violent. It's very disgusting. There's guts and gore everywhere. There's lots of nudeness. There's lots of... Uh, Violence and soul searching—quite shocking. There's a couple of scenes that are are really shocking when you realise the utter contempt that these uber-powerful people have for the the species that they are supposed to be protecting. But what's really—all that is fun. But what's really interesting is the way that the head of, or that the 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 handler of the superheroes, uh, played by Elizabeth Shue, who I think is the only well-known person. As far as I know, in this in well, this Carl Urban,
1: isn't it? He's relatively is he? well, well known. Isn't he? yep. Okay, he's
0: yeah. um, trying to convince the government to. He's a, I think
1: he's a Kiwi actually. Carl is Urban. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: trying to convince the government to let the the superheroes become more of the uh, part of the armed forces, part of the the effort uh, uh, on the uh, you know, the American armed forces part in various hotspots around the world, and they don't want they don't want a bar of this. They don't want to. um Privatise and outsource, which is kind of hilarious. We, we, the American government, does not outsource and privatise defence, um, which, of course, we know is is not the case. That's an interesting thing. But what's really interesting is when you find out why and how it is that certain superheroes have certain powers, and who actually controls that, and where it comes from. The other great thing is that the very premise that is driven one of the main characters and the main storyline of the film gets completely turned on its head. And I found myself on the very last, I think there's only six or something episodes, the very last scene of the last episode, just laughing my head off in shock and disbelief. And I thought this is, this is, this is something that is not just a a potboiler or a cliffhanger. This has a, a a logical, plausible in a show about superheroes. Um, Series of events that ends here in a way that I maybe I'm a little slow, but you but hadn't I, foreseen I it. I hadn't foreseen it, and I was delighted.
1: I thought, what? So, you're not a crystal, you're not a superhero called Crystal Ball gazer, are you? No, no, I'm not. No, mm-hmm. I'm not.
0: No, yeah. Nor am I the spasm. No, the spasm. No, I'm not the spasm. <laughs> oh, but there's a great, there's a great character called the deep who is is miserable about the fact that he's never getting any high profile public appearance gigs he's always just doing the jumping in the water and fishing something out of the water oh, right. he communicates so the aquaman he's he communicates with the fish and he he he's trying to you know also be a a a, a good ecological warrior and, and and help his friends of the deep who are complaining understandably about what's happening in their lives and he realizes at some point that he's never going to have the status that he requires and he says i'm a diversity high here aren't i <laughs> and he's understandably upset but also like all the male characters in the superhero realm he's a disgraceful predatory
1: psychopath they all are and it's great sounds fascinating i will yeah. check it out it the reminds boys. me a little bit mm. of uh, the fairly recent movie release brightburn mm. Which was okay. about a young uh, super. Well, he was a kid who's who's come crashing to Earth in a meteor as a baby. Right. He's he's adopted by the farm super couple, red. so it's basically the Superman yeah. story, right? Uh, he hits puberty and he yeah. suddenly realises he has his superpowers. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he's become aware of it, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 sort of the the vessel he came to Earth in, which has been stored in the barn, starts glowing red and basically sending him telepathic messages saying, yeah. "Take take over." Basically. Oh, right. So, so right. He, he becomes this kind of uh, like Hitler with superpowers. Okay. A, a, budding, yeah. a budding Hitler uh, at, who is uh, scary. Mm. And it, it it plays, I wouldn't say it's a comedy. I would say it's more, it has comic elements, mm. but it's really like a, it plays as a horror film. Yeah. So it's a superhero horror, horror film. film. Yep. Yep. Um, I really liked it. Mm. You know some people I think didn't didn't dig it so much but yeah. I think it's if you like that kind of inversion of the usual mm. sort of superhero tropes then I reckon Well this is this is Brightburn is well worth checking out. I don't think this fun. is
0: a particularly new thing because I think they that Frank Miller examined that
1: yeah, no, of course it's been around. It's been around Night for ages, and but and, you know, yeah. but there it's, are different places you can it's, take it. This
0: is this is if you like seeing weird sex and weird violence. Um, I've got one word for you, gills. Uh, then you'll you'll I think get a kick out of the boys. It almost sounds like
1: David Cronenberg directed it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the world's greatest superhero. I can do whatever the fuck I want. We're on the verge of nailing these wankers. I'm oh, done. Oi. What sport is Spice up to? Ooh. Andrew, uh, a film called Danger Close. close. Pardon? Close. I was, yeah. I was, it was like a pun. That was an echo, was it? was a pun. No, I think. <laughs> I said
0: Danger Close. And I was close, you see. <laughs> Don't stop it. This is gold, man. This is what, which is what it's put us at number 11 in news and current affairs in uh, Japan. In Japan.
1: <laughs> um, danger Close. The Battle of Long Tan, yeah, because because uh, you needed that subtitle. I think. Well, look, uh, uh, okay. There's a couple of reasons why you might actually argue that you need that subtitle. Yeah. One is there are other projects called Danger Close, right? So it's not the first time. <gasps> How that, annoying! It's not the first time that title's been used. The other yeah. is that the Battle of Long Tan mm. is actually, although it's a really significant historical event mm-hmm. uh, for people who who give a damn about um, Australian military history and mm-hmm. and the Vietnam War in particular. I think Joe Public a lot of us, don't know much about it. Joe Public. That's um, me, mate. I haven't heard of Joe, Joe Public. I... Joe and my, my wife, Joanne, <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't know a lot about. Your brother, Marv. And my own, no, he's also called Joe, but he's <laughs> Johannes. Um, I, look, I, I really didn't know a lot about this at all. Yeah. Uh, and um, battle in 1966 in a rubber plantation in Vietnam, uh, 18 Australian soldiers... Were killed, uh, twenty four injured, seriously injured when they came into contact with a, a troop. They were, they were on, they're on patrol. They were a, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the. Can you, do you know your military distinctions? Uh, you um, about other, uh, in terms of, platoon, there were, regiment? Yeah, 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 yeah. There were n- ninety of them. There are. Uh, I think it's a platoon. No, platoons are smaller, I okay. think. But anyway, so they're out there on patrol. That about, about 90, 90 mm-hmm. to hundred of them. They come up. They come up against a force that was estimated as between a thousand and three thousand Vietnamese, and um, they they did have the Australians did have the advantage of military uh, of of shelling artillery shelling mm-hmm. shelling. Uh, they were Aircraft. supposed to get air support. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It, they flew in, they couldn't see anything. They yeah. flew away. So I you know I applaud that uh, good mm, move. Mm. Um, it all happened over like three and a half hours or so, mm. and the film. Is basically a recreation of not not in real time. Obviously, no. it's not a three and a half hour movie. It's um, it, there's a little bit of preamble and there's a little bit of a postscript, but really the bulk of the film is a recreation of that battle. It is unashamedly from the Australian perspective. It doesn't make any like concerted attempt to understand the Vietnamese, Vietnamese uh, sort of you know motivation or ambition or how they felt about the whole thing, mm. like. There's no sort of grappling with the politics of it, mm. or with the with the context. Then you could you could say, well, that's a failing with it, or you could just say, well, that's not the ambition of this film. This film is about recreating and yeah. giving you a sense, a visceral sense of yeah. what it would have been like to be in that situation. I think it does it amazingly mm-hmm. well. Um, Travis Fimmel from uh, Vikings mm-hmm. uh, stars in it as and the St
0: Kilda Football Club. Pardon? And the St Kilda Football Club. Tell me what you mean by that. He he um. Played a few games with the St Kilda Football Club. Did I he? Single, yeah. Before, uh, I don't know if he was injured or. or for he, St he'd, he'd, Kilda, he'd, did he play for St Kilda? Yeah, I, I think in the reserves. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I know he did have a budding AFL career mm. that never quite went anywhere. Mm. I, but I, I, okay, I'd forgotten it was St Kilda. If that was. We case. we can yeah, encourage
0: yeah. the listener to look that up and then get from in a touch chuka if originally. If r- Travis, Yeah, you can tell by his
1: accent, can't you? I thought he was from, you know, maybe Iceland or <laughs> Norway or somewhere. So,
0: so he still speaks like that, right? he has got He's actually got a very strange delivery, I You've think. You've seen Vikings, haven't you? Yeah, of course I have. I love that Vikings. Yeah, so no, that yeah. voice that he has in Vikings, he's still... still <laughs> am, I'm not
1: sure if we're going to
0: go and get them. And you sound like Floki. Kill them. Oh, Floki? Floki's great.
1: <laughs> I love Floki. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Neither neither <laughs> Ragnar do normally, do nor we? Floki <laughs> is in. would <laughs> it be Clos. better if if there and was nor some nor is Travis through. Fimmel seen in his Calvin Kleins at oh, any point. So right. I just want to, I just want to, you know, he's in fatigue. I'll I'll, right? I'll get it out there in case anybody turns up wanting to see Travis Fimmel in his Calvin Kleins. That doesn't happen because, of course, he came to fame originally as a as a, an underwear model. Um, all the it, best do. Uh, the, all the best do. It's it's I think it's great. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good film. It's directed by Sanders, who Senders, uh, who is best known for Red Dog and and the sequel. Uh, this is about as far from that as you could mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, it has long periods of just disorientation and sort of you know uh, one of the things that I really liked about it is is the fact that you you hear sort of like single like gunshots. Yeah. Or you don't get that kind of like wall to wall action movie kind of thing. Yeah. You get this kind of quite sparse. So kind it's of very tense. Yeah, it's very, very tense. Atmospheric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of it happens with the soldiers on their bellies. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're they're lying down. There was a very, very slight rise in the plantation, which gave them some modicum of cover. Mm. Which you know, it you know, it just it just feels it feels like that would be hell. Yeah. It, it kind of yeah. reminds me of that, the opening twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan, say, so, mm. which is which is an incredible recreation of of, mm. of warfare. This is that. But for probably in excess of an hour,
0: I, I would. Think. I, I was thinking about seeing this film. Um, the, uh, the North Vietnamese mm. also claim victory in this battle. battle yeah, I
1: think they've. I think uh, in more recent times, uh, they conceded that actually mm. they didn't win the battle, um, but they did win the war. Yeah, so that's the main thing. I think. I think the yes. Take away I from think, this. Yeah.
0: Without being too flippant, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that this is shot from one point of view. Almost every war movie I've ever seen uh, is shot from a single point of view, yep. uh, in terms of like a one side's point yeah, of view, yeah, yeah. not as one character. I did really like the Clint, the two pairing of Clint Eastwood films. I think it was the S- something of our fathers and Sandsvill with Jima. something. one shot. Um, from the American side yeah. and the other from the Japanese very sympathetically from the Japanese side I thought they were two incredible films yeah. that looked at what the the hardships that the basic soldier suffered in in like at home in the states or in in Japan and also on the battlefield uh, so I, I don't think that that's necessarily a handicap and it looked that like I, I saw the trailer for it, and um, I just I was almost thought I would have time to see it last week, and I didn't. M- my only problem with these films, and there's a few that do this, is the need to have flashbacks home to loved ones and girlfriends. i um, I think and none, I of good, I saw, none of that good because I saw I saw in the trailer. Uh, the a guy and his girlfriend holding hands and things like that and I presume that that was in the film as well maybe it's not and they, it's just in the trailer. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to remember the guy and the girlfriend holding. So so, hands. so a young guy. Yeah.
0: Um. I don't know who he is because I haven't seen the film, but there's yeah. a young guy and his yeah. girl. He may be. I I don't know the context, but it looks like you know we we're. I imagine where it's often happens. You're in the jungle, and the guys reminiscing about I don't home. Think so. and, well, good, good. I so the whole I mean, film,
1: if, if, the whole film well, stays in the one place. You've now in the one got time me rattled. And, yeah. You've got me rattled. I, I, I feel like I'm under fire here. I'm <laughs> under attack. I'm ducking for I, cover. I, I don't know. I can't I would, remember that. Okay, good. I, 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 hope that 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 there was, is a discussion. That was a decision. There's a discussion about a sweetheart back. Yeah, okay. I think that's allowable. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, and
0: maybe even the showing of a photograph before the bullet through the there temple. I, there that, is. That is inevitable. <laughs> after anybody shows a photograph of their child or their sweetheart and talk about the one last job, and can I'm I,
1: out of here. Well, can I just, <laughs> as, as a little digression, can I just say I saw a film yesterday yeah. in which in the very earliest moments there's a black cop introduced. Hmm. It's his last day on the job. Yeah. You know, you know what's going to happen, and it doesn't go there. Oh. I love oh. how I love he how stays through that. to the end of
0: the film. I, it's he, his last day. He leaves. He's yeah, alive. His yeah, wife and children greet him. <laughs> Bye. Uh, no, no. That, so, so I, I think the tension is increased if you're in the. Often, they the filmmakers try to ease the the pace or the tension by taking you back to as. To, to two lovers holding hands in a field riding bicycles and loving each other before he gets on the train to go to Albany to get on the boat that takes him up to the Dardanelles for, you know,
1: certain slaughter. Yeah, look, possibly I've just blocked it mm. out but I do not remember so that. What there is, what there is is yeah. a sort of like a, a, you know, like an interlude kind of element is yeah. that um, Little Patty and Cold Joy are there doing a concert. Joking. Th- this really happened. They were there doing a concert. not the real Little Patty and Cold Joy. No. Nah. That's what I thought that. you meant.
0: I thought that I'm, I'm looking, the characters I'm, I'm picturing little Paddy and Cold Joy of, about my dad's age,
1: <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's that's. I mean,
0: God bless them, but but that that's
1: not right. No, not the real little <laughs> Paddy and Cold Joy. That's the characters okay. yes. are yes. there, yes. giving a, a giving concert, concert, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know the 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 guys are out there. They they miss the concert because they're out there doing this patrol. Yeah. And then, um, you know, suddenly they have to get evacuated Mm -hmm. because there's a raid and all this stuff's going on just a couple of kilometres away. So, yeah. Anyway, it's very good. Yeah, I, I expected it, it is. Richard Roxburgh is in it. Richard Roxburgh is in it. Luke Bracey, uh, Travis Fimmel, as, as mm-hmm. I say. Um, a lot of very good young actors, mm-hmm. um, some of whom will be familiar, some of whom are not. Alex England is in it. Yeah, um, And it's is,
0: good that they're young because everyone knows that it was well, fought by teenagers. Well, you
1: know, there's a sort of a title card at the end and it, mm-hmm. it lists all those who died and their ages. Yeah, And, like, uh, I think the oldest is 22. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and there's a lot of 19-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And You know, God help. They were so young kids. It's on now at all the film at all the cinemas. It's in about two hundred odd cinemas around Australia, okay, so you've got a good. pretty good chance of finding yep. it. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be around for a little while. But I would say if you if it interests you go and see it quickly because mm. the the more people go and see it, then the longer it will stay on, and it's just a natural yep that's um, the thing cycle. And particularly with Australian films that don't have a big marketing or advertising budget, mm-hmm. and this doesn't, so it's really dependent yeah. I've on not word I've not mouth. seen any any ads. I've heard more ads for Utopia than
0: <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. actual commercial ads. Can you mm. imagine the ABC paying money to commercial stations to advertise their shows?
1: Funny stuff. That. Yeah. <laughs> It's to four Heavy contact. This big. We are pinned
0: flanked on all sides. He wants me to target his position. If you don't drop in the next thirty seconds, we'll all be dead. We can't allow this. Major's the commanding officer in the field. He'll make the call. Call it in. Fire! So there's a new uh, bar that's opened up. It's one of those massive, massive, big. Barn style ones, you a know. Barn bar, yeah. One the kind that are almost destined to fail in the inner part of Melbourne. I don't know if you remember, Little Creatures opened up a big place in the old Mariana Hardwick wedding dress shop on Brunswick Street that didn't. Oh, last that rings too long. a vague bell. I think I may have had yeah. a beer there once. And it's, yeah. yeah, Only yeah. the one because they 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 lack atmosphere. Yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah. very yeah. difficult to do. So where is this one? This one is uh, just near the train station, Victoria Park. And, and what's it called? It's called Bodriggy Brewing. Bodriggy, Yeah. And it's a, it's a part I quite like the name. It brews... There's a few places like this as well. Big places that are also brewing their own stuff. It almost right? sounds like something that Jonathan Swift would have come up with. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll inquire next time I'm there. Is Brobdingnagian where, Brewing. Where, where the name comes from. But it's a big joint. Yeah. Um, but sensibly, they've put all their... I, I believe they're called stills or vats. Yeah. All mm-hmm. the
1: equipment for making the beer is right out the southern end of the building because that has to be kept cold. So tell me, is the southern end the public-facing or is it at the back of the building? It's at the back of the building. Back of the yeah. building, right. So the, the public-facing faces the north on yep. Johnson Street. Yep. Um, like I say, just near Vic Park
0: Station. And I, I just popped in there and I thought, this is, I don't normally like these big, big places. Yeah. And there's a lot of nice, smaller places around in that zone, you know. Um, Lully Street, which was on Lully Street, closed and then reopened again on the same street just across the road from Dr. Moore. So it's a whole zone of bars for people to You could to be hang talking in. Greek to me. I'm sorry. You could be talking to Greek. hang and listen and enjoy the music. North. I went there once. All I want to say about this place is don't be put off by its bigness. It's really warm and it's got these. They, they dug out under the ground to put in their toilets. So when you go to the so toilet... it's just a big cesspit. Everyone can see you going down the stairs to the toilets. They know what you're up to. They know what you're doing. Right. And so there's they no your shenanigans. Business. They know your no business. No shenanigans. Uh, they have live music there. They have DJs there. In the toilet? No, in the zone, oh, man. Okay. But it was really warm. I went in on a cold Sunday, raining... And I was really surprised at how warm it was, and the sound was pretty good. That's another problem with these big places yeah, yeah. Is to get the sound and the balance because there's a lot of reflective surfaces and Ugh. it can just sound like concrete everywhere bouncing around. It, it, it's, they had a lot of plants in there, which oh, might, yeah. might help. Um, so it, was, it, it, it works Robert well. Plant. I look forward to going there again with spending a little more time, but it's nice to know that somebody's open somewhere that I don't hate. Mm. It's on the Hurstbridge Line. I suspect there might be more than just the one, but you know, you've got to get out a bit more. Actually, yeah, there is. We went to a place, you and I, that was only recently opened that I don't hate. So, yes. Which one was that? Uh, the Shady Lady. Oh, the Shady Lady, right. Okay. Do you remember we went there yeah. after the uh, podcast yeah. awards? Is that new? Well, it's about a year and a half old, maybe. Right. Maybe right. two years old. Mm. You know, It was mm. new. Mm. I did go there when it was new. Right. Yeah. yeah. And didn't hate it. Didn't
1: hate it. Amazing. Don't hate it. I love it, Amazing. actually. You may see me there. <laughs> the world is a wonderful place, really, you know? Yeah. That's it from this episode of The Clappers.
0: Yes. You can like us or love us on the Facebook. They're your only options. Yeah. Like Nothing like more than that. Love. And you can, of course, leave your comments. Tell me if I've gotten something wrong. I really do appreciate being corrected. This
1: happens so rarely. And if I've got something wrong, just keep
0: to yourself. No, tell him. Tell him. <laughs>